friends, Micah here. Before we start our episode, we wanted to jump on and say how much it has meant to have you all along for the ride these past few weeks. It's been a challenging time in our country, and it's been important for us that we stand up as loud as possible for our black brothers and sisters. As a podcast celebrating and advocating for the value and goodness of people with Down syndrome and other different abilities, we hope we can continue to build the online Down syndrome community to be a space that fully represents the diversity and multitude of cultures and races that are affected by Down syndrome. Last week, we released an episode about our commitment to Black Lives Matter. And if you haven't heard it yet, please jump over and take a listen. Heather and I recorded this episode back in May before the killing of George Floyd and the protests that followed. So we want you to know that though this episode is lighthearted, we will continue to have conversations around race in this space. And we look forward to building a lucky few community that fully represents all people affected by Down syndrome. Okay, on with the show. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather. And this is Micah. And today it is just the two of us, and we are going to be talking about all things end of the school year, summertime, and unfortunately, we have to talk about those under the umbrella of social distancing, because that is the reality that we are in, and we're grateful that you're here with us. Welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. All right. Hey, Micah. Hey, Heather. <laughs> so Mercedes is not here because they're actually having an IEP right now for Sunny May. Hey. So she'll have to fill us in on that. Yeah, when, she will. When all is said and done. I know that I know she's had shared on previous podcasts that they did all of the testing. Everything's been done virtually. So that's all. That's an interesting gig. Yeah, a whole thing. Yeah. I bet you, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have been going through all of the testing and the mm-hmm. first IP all over Virtual. Zoom. I know. So. I know. Let's jump in right there because I can yeah. tell we are, we do not have a completed IEP from AC or Augie. Have we talked about this yet on the podcast or I've just talked about it? In my heart. I don't know if we've talked. Maybe you've just <laughs> been speaking in your heart. <laughs> um, so we had Macy's IEP. Let's just lay it out. Let's talk IEPs, guys. That's where we're headed for a moment. Let's do it. We had Macy's IEP, and it is her her middle school transition IEP. So already, this is a bad bad news, right? I mean, I feel like you take <laughs> middle, middle school. school IEP all of them. <laughs> all the things to avoid in life. I think when you have a new baby, you're like, these are the things I don't want to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want them to ever go to middle school. No, never. Um, So we had this IEP and I felt like it went well. And then um, I don't ever sign my IEPs until I've read them over. So they gave me the IEP. I brought it home. I'm going through our minutes. And right now Mason has an inclusion specialist, which is for us has been the key piece to successful, inclusive education for Macy. Mm -hmm. And it was like the thing that we fought for um, from first to third grade. And so she gets something like 1,200 minutes a week. 
She gets an at five hours a week. How many minutes is that? What's five times I, 60? Uh, Nobody knows. Three, five times six is 30. So 300. Yeah. So 1200 a month, 1200 <laughs> minutes a month. We, Whew, did, we it. did it. Um, <laughs> and they wanted to, in the, what they gave back to me was 240 minutes a month. Wow. So for next year, so that's a huge decrease. So what the reason being right now, Mason spends the majority of her day in a genetic setting with two 40 minute sessions in resource where she goes to her resource class mm -hmm. for junior high. It's six separate periods. And so she's going to spend three periods in an S special day class and three periods in gen ed. The reason being is for her to continue to be considered resource instead of special day. 50% of her day has to be in general ed. As soon as you get to 51% of your day in or 49% of your day in general ed, then you're considered special day. Wow. not resource. Okay. So your case carrier is a special ed teacher instead of a resource teacher. It's just a different, Yeah, it just plays out very differently. And so I'm, I'm like the way that when our meeting, I'm thinking, okay, it, my big thing with Macy is not so much the academics that she's has access to, although that feels like a piece, but it's less so as the academic gap has gotten larger for her uh, between where she is and where her peers are, her grade level is. It's more that she is a member of her, a full member and citizen of her school. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that can happen in a separate classroom. But with junior high, everybody's going to different classrooms. So as long as she has some core, some of her foundational classes are with her gen ed peers. And when she goes to math, she can go to the special ed math class because that's just that one period. And then the next period for electives, she's with her peers again, and she can transition from class right. to class with her peers and, and lunchtime with her peers and whatever. So that's why I was okay with that. So what they're telling me though, is now that half of her classes are not gen ed classes, they're not going to need, we don't need as much hours for an inclusion specialist. And then this was the thing that like stopped me in my tracks mm. and made me like backpedal big time. And the special ed teacher will take over as the resource teacher will be the one to modify curriculum. So that idea of, well, the special ed teacher will be the one to do it mm -hmm. is not an inclusive, that is not happening well in most in settings that are intentionally inclusive. Okay. And so I said, no, that's not what we're doing here. And now I feel like we worked so hard for Mason to be, have this inclusive intentionally inclusive environment and we're taking all these steps backwards. So mm. the special ed teacher, so then it's like, okay, are the special ed teachers trained in inclusive practices? Are what kind of training is going to happen for the general ed teachers, the administration at the school, the school does not, doesn't do inclusion at all. So what are we doing here? And then mm. COVID. And then COVID. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. And so her IEP, I have not signed it. And it was the first week of March is when we had it. And now it's like, okay, I just read, I'm reaching out to her team and here's the problem. They're dealing with like really serious stuff for their school. Yeah. And it's not that they shouldn't have time for Mason, but I also feel like how can I expect them to prioritize this when we don't even know if she's going to be at school six periods a day. Right. And so now I just feel like we're going to go back to my initial feelings from when I first had an infant 
of we're not doing middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We've come full circle. I want to break this all down. Okay. Let's rewind. Okay. So tell me more about, um, can you give us all, because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are going, okay, what does she mean when she says the special ed teacher um, shouldn't be the one to modify the curriculum. It should be somebody who's an inclusion specialist. Tell us what it means for someone to be an inclusion specialist and what, why that doesn't work out often or why like mm-hmm. when the special ed teachers are the ones who are modifying the curriculum that they may not be trained in inclusive practices that kind of thing. Yep. And I think, and there'll be special ed teachers listening to this. And I think most special ed teachers would say that they are trained in how to do inclusion. Um, But I, so in, in our circumstance, we are in a district that doesn't practice inclusion. So there's separate classes for special ed. She's going to a school that doesn't practice inclusion. So if we did nothing, Macy would show up and she would be probably, if she would probably do all periods, but PE in a special day classroom. Mm -hmm. And then with the, so it's what it comes down to for us is like a foundational mindset for what the school is. And so when the mindset and the foundation is non-inclusive, then the people functioning within that, unless they are trained otherwise, are going to function with function that way. Mm -hmm. And so then it's more like the idea of mainstream, which you'll still hear that term often. Um, So it's like, well, she's going to go to PE, she's going to go to lunch, all of her passing periods, all of the assemblies and field trips are going to be inclusive. But when you function with that separate classroom and with that mindset, when they, when the person, the student goes to all of those things that they're considered inclusive, they're going as a visitor, not as a full member Mm -hmm. of their school. And so when you say to a special ed teacher, who's teaching in a non-inclusive school, you're going to modify the curriculum so that Mason can go to science. If you're in a non-inclusive school, there really isn't training on inclusive practices that work unless there's been training on inclusive practices. And I know our district hasn't done that Hmm. because I've asked for it. They did one training this year, halfway through the year with Kristen Enriquez and she, she's been on the podcast before season two, mm-hmm. the first two episodes. She's incredible. Yes. Everyone go listen to that one. Go listen to those episodes. Cause she yeah. explains really well too the difference mm-hmm. between inclusion and not. So for me, just to sum it up, if it makes sense, it is that mindset piece that when Mason mm-hmm. enters the school, she enters as a full participating citizen of her school, not as a child who is separated into a separate classroom because of her academic abilities. And unless that is the foundation and mindset of the school, it's, it is unreasonable to expect the teachers within that school to function within an inclusive mindset. Right. So then you say, I need an include an inclusion specialist, which is someone who knows how to do that. So they're going to look at what the special ed teacher is teaching and what is happening in the gen ed classroom and what is in Mason's IEP and then create a program that can work. That person does not need to be there in person with Mason. Like they're not working directly with Mason. It's more like this individual that's in between. Yeah. um, Making it so Mason can access the general ed curriculum at the level that she's at. And the other piece is a gen ed teacher and a special ed teacher, they have so much that they're already expected to do that to 
have them go this extra step, they don't have time, yeah. you know, like to actually yeah. do this work. And so that was part of when we in, in first, second, third grade, when we were trying to get this to happen, that was a conversation like in those tense IEPs where the principal is saying like, well, that's so-and-so's job. And then me looking at the teacher and saying, do you feel like you have five extra hours a week to commit to modifying Mason's mm-hmm. curriculum? And the teacher being like, no, like absolutely not. Exactly. Nor should you. That's why you need this, this extra person here. Right. So. That's so good, Heather. I'm taking all these notes right now. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> because I'm, I'm in, we're working on having our transitional meeting, like between ACEs teachers right now and his teachers next year. And, um, yeah, that is the one thing that I haven't, I mean, our, our family elementary school is, is, um, welcoming ACE into a general ed kindergarten classroom and they have a full-time, um, one-on-one set up for him already. And, you know, all this being like, are we even going to have school in the fall? Right. But, but I don't know what their plan is for modifying the curriculum. I know the gen ed teacher is wonderful. I know the resource teacher is in conversations with me, but um, yeah, there's not an inclusion specialist on board. And so that's really good for me to be thinking about and communicating with them to see if they, I guess, have thought through it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And oftentimes an RSP teacher, I mean, that's what resource teachers do. They Mm -hmm. go into the general ed classroom and they help their students access curriculum, but they're often working with kids who are at a certain level in terms of their academics. And Mason is so, so not there that it is, I mean, even with the the resource teacher she has now, who is like so pro-inclusion and a lovely, really wonderful special ed teacher, it's like, She's like, yeah, this is not the work I do. Like when she's modifying spelling and math and whatever, it's like m- mild modifications. Yeah. And with Mason, yeah. it's significant. And right. it is more like, okay, how do, how do you view it where Mason's not just sitting in her math class working on some packet that has nothing to do with what's happening. It's like, how do you have that mind of seeing, okay, this is what's happening in math. And here are five simple ways for Mason to in- be included and engaged in a math session on algebraic equations or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's hardcore, hardcore, hardcore. And to, and with that, to maintain the mindset of this is why we're doing this Mm -hmm. like that inclusive mindset. So, Oh gosh, it's also hard, Micah. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of, I mean, you're, yours is at a point that is just magnified so much bigger mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. gap just keeps getting bigger. It's huge. I'm thinking about kindergarten for ACE and we've been working so hard at sitting for table time and I'm yeah. really proud of him, what he's able the you know, to speak, uh, to speak special ed language, like the, how he's able to attend these days <laughs> to his, um, work, which is still like, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, yeah. but he needs hug breaks. He, and so I've been trying to teach him, like we have a little pecs card that says hugs and kisses. And I, and when he is like, fall, like getting out of his chair and falling on me and stuff, I'm like, Oh, you need a hug break. And, and those are things that like in the, 
in the IEPs, like we're trying to write in there, like he's going to need sensory breaks, but how do you in the kindergarten classroom give, like, what does a hug break look like for Ace in a right. kindergarten classroom with his one-on-one right. -on -one aid? And is that like, I think it all, it just feels tricky and, you know, yeah. I, I know that there's so many things we can request in terms of sensory needs. Mm -hmm. um, he can go get squished against pillows or something. But right. <laughs> I was going to say, and then for you, like to take it to, to take it to sixth grade, to take it to algebra. Right. Like it's, it's just, um, there's such, so much need there and you got to be so thoughtful in mm -hmm. how you write those IEPs and mm -hmm meet those needs. I know. I know the way that it works too with Macy's middle school is they do. So I think there's six periods, but then it doesn't make sense for this schedule. So let's say there's five to make it easier to explain how this works. Okay. Monday, they go first through fifth period. Tuesday, they go second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, first. Oh gosh. Wednesday, <laughs> they go third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever. That's so confusing. Monday through Friday, they start every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday with a different class. Uh. And so that, I'm like, if, if the only goal we have for Mason is to successfully and independently figure the schedule out Goodness in sixth gracious. grade, that feels like a big goal right? Like without the one-on-one -on -one leading her, like getting it on her own. Yeah. And then PE, she's going to have a locker. So then it was like, well, she's going to have a locker in PE and her aide right now is a male. So he can't go in the locker room with her. And the, we're going to have to get our key lock. Like that's fine. We're going to find, we're have to practice that because that's like major fine motor mm -hmm. and then trust her in the locker room, which I have minimal trust <laughs> and not that she's a stinker, but she's just very body positive. And yes. so she's not embarrassed <laughs> of accidentally, whoops, I'm naked all of a sudden. That's not embarrassing to her. So like working through all those things. And I think, okay, if we spend the entirety of sixth grade getting her to change successfully, like every step, that feels like a huge success. Like let's yeah. focus on that. And I think that when you have a student whose needs fall in those categories, it's so hard for the educators to wrap their mind around, well, then why would they be in general ed? Like, if right. this is what we're doing, why would we have them in general ed? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I was, I'm feeling very, very frustrated and frustrated and discouraged is the correct word mm -hmm. with next year, yeah. especially with the season we're in. And I'm feeling like I am mourning the loss so significantly of preparing Macy for junior high. Mm. And if the people in charge think for one second that she's just going to show up on the first day of sixth grade, <laughs> like that's, I, I don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but then what do we do? Not have her go for a week or two yeah. I, like until we yeah. got to figure it out. And so it all feels so hard. And I was telling, so then I'm like looking at homeschool I'm looking at, do we do like a private school, which might your, one of my favorite lines you've ever said, Micah, when talking about your oldest son, August going to private school, you said it so nonchalantly, you probably don't even remember. You just said, and then I have a son in private school, which is already an injustice. 
<laughs> and I feel I have my own personal convictions about that, but yeah. we've had the conversation before. You do what's best for your kid, right? Like if that's what's best, then do we look at like charter, whatever, all the options. Right. And I think mostly it comes down to I've we've worked so hard to get to this place with Mason and it feels like we're starting from scratch next year. Mm. And I don't know if I, if I have it in me and I had a really good friend of mine and I know not everyone who listens to this is a spiritual person, but a friend of mine who's very spiritual and she's like, okay, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I just need to say, I feel led to tell you, you are someone who kicks doors down and that's what you do. And I just like started weeping. Mm. Um, Cause it was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to next year. I don't want to go in and kick more doors down, but I think this is what I do. And not like a martyr, you know, but like pull up your bootstraps and Mm -hmm. I know what to, like, I, I know how to do this. I know how to do this for Macy to be successful. I really believe this. I'm not doing it for the sake of inclusion. I'm not doing it just to do it. Like, I really believe this is what's best for her first, that's the most important. And the bigger picture, this is what's best for everybody. And Mason's my priority, but I also do feel like I carry this torch of things need to change. Like I, I have a conviction in my soul to leave a legacy of goodness and change for people. And that starts with my, who I'm in closest proximity to, you know? Right. So I don't know, like uh, it's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting, exhausting to be a world changer. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I wouldn't call myself that. <laughs> I think all of us listening are doing our part in that. Um, but I do think I do think it's exhausting to be an advocate, and everybody uh, listening is there with that. Yes, I think everyone it, listening yes. is like, yes, I know what you mean. And there are those moments when you're like, okay, we did it, we got to this point, yeah. and then you look ahead and you know, all of a sudden you've got another hill to climb and it's too much. It feels like too much. Yeah, it really does. And then, I mean, Len, we said it already, then you just add a freaking worldwide pandemic and no one knows what's going to happen next year. Yeah. Like you're saying with Ace needing hug breaks, it's like, well, wait, is he even allowed? Is he going to be allowed to be within six feet of another human? Yeah. And uh, and then we like talking about medically fragile kids and do we send them to mm-hmm. school? I mean, Ace has his respiratory stuff and mm-hmm. August does too. And that whole piece, it almost feels like what, what we need to do people in our position when we have children who have these needs that need to be figured out before starting school, like we have to have a plan, on, plan in place, that's an IEP. We actually don't get to make that plan until we know what's going to happen. Right. And then we can make the plan, but that doesn't feel like that's going to work either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then it's like, wait, we're starting school next week and this is, we just now found out how, and I don't, it's so tricky. It is. It's so wild right now. And it does feel, it's very hard. It, you know, it's very hard to have kids who need a lot of preparation and, yeah. you know, they need their social stories. They need to, know where they're going and walk through it lots of times and all the things you're saying about Macy, like, and then to, to just feel like we're flying by the seat of our pants and we can't plan anything. Mm -hmm. And it's, I I mean, it comes back to, 
I have been thinking a lot about, uh, I, I lead this group of high school girls at my church and we had this conversation around the pandemic. We have had our zoom hangout and talking about the pandemic, talking about, um, this passage we were reading, uh, about in the Bible that's talking about the, don't just say, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. Say like, if God wills it, then I'm going to go do this thing. (laughs) And so, but we were talking about how there's kind of those two places you can be in this pandemic of like, I'm trying to control the future and I'm so mad and I'm just like gripping onto it as much as I can. Or this other side of just total anxiety. And when you start to go down the path, you just feel so crushed and overwhelmed by what the reality is. And what does it mean to like live in the center with open hands and to say, I can't control this right now. I can't, I can't decide anything, but I, and also it doesn't help for me to like worry about what happens six months from now and um, to do what I can today with open hands. Mm -hmm. And I just keep thinking about that with everything right now. Right. You know, I, I want, I want to know what's going to happen with the kids' schools. I also want to know what's going to happen when ACE is 26. You know, I'm still, I, in all of the work that we're doing with his speech, I can still get so stuck in fear of what he's not Mm -hmm. going to be able to do. Or with like these migraines I've been having and feeling like I'm in bed too much and I am so frustrated with my health and all of those things I can't control. So what does it mean to like be in the present in this moment and, and do what I can do and hold it with open hands? Yeah. Which is really such a great way to live always. We just aren't forced to until, until things happen, you know? Yeah. Cause like the idea of that you can control anything I feel like it's a pretty false idea anyways. It's true. You know? Yep. And the sooner you let go of that and figure out how to be in a healthy space of, you know, making things happen and planning and doing your best, but holding it lightly or loosely. Yeah. Yeah. Surrender. Surrender. Oh gosh. I don't want to. I feel like I said, (laughs) I said about a month into the pandemic that I, I used to say, we do hard things. I think I may have said this on the podcast. Like I've always said, we do hard things. And now I say, if it's hard, don't even try. <laughs> if it's hard, put your pajamas back on. This is my new advice, that. guys. If it's hard, <laughs> don't even go there. Just don't even try. So I don't know that I'm going to surrender. I'm just going to keep being frustrated with my lack of... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, shoot. Okay. What else here? I yeah. guess we can, we can talk about talking. summer. What it. Do you, I mean, is that too <laughs> sad to talk about too? <laughs> Here's why it's sad for me to talk about summer, Micah. Okay. Last summer, our family was home for a collective two weeks. That mm-hmm. is it. Because that's how we like it. Uh-huh. So, and everything's been canceled. I mean, the, yeah. the plans of like the camps we were going to and all that. And so now we're just like scrambling to find a thing and... All of it makes me sad. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's just our personality. We're just not homebodies. We're not, we're just not. So, and then like school ends and that doesn't feel good. I'm indifferent because yeah. now what are, now how are my kids going to learn? Like, what are we going to do now? Yeah. And you need to do schoolwork because I, that's like two hours a day. There's a, a particular child in which that is a two or three hour portion of the day in which that child is occupied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say entertained, but that feels like it belittles education. <laughs> occupied. Yes. And I mean, when you, if, I mean, if they can go outside and play, that's great in the summer. But when you take away camps, when you take away like planned activities with other kids, I it's, know. It's, so it's hard. hard to imagine, like, what do you do in the summer? I mean, there's, they can play with the dog in the yard. For right, sure. yeah. Which we've just had, that's all we've already been doing. That doesn't feel special <laughs> or different, you know? Yeah. What are you guys, are you guys going to go to your parents? You usually go for a chunk of time. Yeah, we usually go see grandparents. And we are just really trying to figure out what we're going to do. Chris's 40th birthday is this summer, and we Aww. had planned, like, uh, his favorite place in the world is is Maine, where his dad has a has a house, and we were going to go there and invite some friends, and we had like a big plan for a couple of weeks to celebrate his 40th birthday with other families. So uh, that's that's up in the air, and yeah. I think we keep going back and forth about should we get on a plane and just quarantine ourselves at at Chris's mom's house for a while because she has a pool and a sunshine yeah. and there's no sunshine in San Francisco in the summer. Especially so when, in the summer. <laughs> so when I'm thinking about like be having summer being here with oh, just yeah. 50 degrees and gray and no friends to play with. Don't do play it. With friends. I feel like we got to get on a plane and get out of here. So, but it makes me really nervous to get on a plane. Totally. And if we did it, we would just, go away for the summer yeah, and not, not be jumping around. Yeah. So yeah, that's my vote for you. Anyone who has somewhere to go, that's my vote for them. Yeah. Go there for the summer. If we had a place go to, to go to... for the summer, we would go yeah, for sure. Go yeah. Like take the risk of getting on the plane, do it as carefully with as much mm -hmm. hand sanitizer as you can. You know, mm -hmm. I think that people will disagree with this, but I think that you can do it in a way that is your risk is so, so low. Yeah. And even with kids, like you can still do it in a way that the risk is so low because you're hyper aware of every surface you're touching and all the things. Yeah. But um, I say, go do it, hop on a plane, be gone all summer. Sounds good, Heather. Thank you. So, you're I'll, welcome. You, you confirm in my heart what, what is the right thing. So it is definitely not the right thing for me to be in a gray 50 degree no. town no. yelling all at my kids summer? in the house all day. Oh, gosh. No. That feels the worst. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. And it's all so relative. Like we've got it so good. I always have to remind myself that too and remind people and not to take away from it. You know, like you can still feel all that you feel. But I think about people who are like a family of 10 in a two bedroom apartment. Yep. And that is a lot of people right now. And yeah, so then I can be very, very grateful, genuinely grateful for what I have, but also feel bad for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's bring it, let's bring it back okay. to some positive. Let's do that. What are your hopes for oh. next school year? What are you like, 
let's think beyond quarantine. Okay. And what we dream of for our kids next year. Yeah. So for August Riker, he's going to be in first grade. And I want him to just have a great first grade experience. I want him to have a teacher who's excited to have him. He needs a structured classroom. He's gone TK and kinder. He did not have a lot of structure Hmm. and he just walks all over that. And so he needs (laughs) like some serious structure and he needs to get his little, his cute little hiney whipped into shape. Yep. So freaking capable. And he's such a stinker, man. I feel I haven't been his teacher these last couple months. I'm like, Ooh, you are the <laughs> cutest little stinker of all time. I would love actually for Mason, this is my ideal that she goes half day and that we supplement her education at home mm. with extracurricular and a tutor. That's my dream. Cool. <laughs> so I'd love for her to do 50% of her day through lunch and then come home after lunch I think it is too much stress what's required of her to function well in a um, junior high setting. I think it's, it's expecting too much of her. And I would, yeah, that's an ideal that she goes through periods. We do PE, electives, and I guess like math or language arts, either one. And then she comes home and has a consistent tutor or like a dance and a dance class and horseback riding and whatever. That sounds Something like a like dream. That. Which will require Josh and me to be on, but I don't know. That's a whole other conversation with the business. So that's my ideal, my ideal school setup. I and like then that. truly, yeah, truly going back and doing her, she's in a Spanish dual immersion program. And I feel like for her to get Spanish, she needs to be at school because we don't speak Spanish. So I would love for her to just, she'll be in fourth grade and go to school. Yeah. She's one of those easy ones that you just drop off the first day of school. Mm-hmm. Like I want to meet her teacher and that's great. <laughs> but the thought of dropping Mason off, I, go, I literally won't. I'm not dropping yeah. her off the first day of school without some kind of like something. Yes. Anyways, totally. how about you? What's your dream? Uh, my dream is that Ace is welcomed and like embraced in his classroom that he brings a lot of joy to the school and that he really is able to step into more that's demanded of him, that, mm-hmm. that he's able to sit at the table and work, that, he's, that he feels safe in his classroom, that everybody is able to kind of find the ways to help him um, get engaged. And you know, I think it's, it's just going to be a learning process and for all of us and what he needs as you, you know, as like actual classroom work is demanded of him and stuff. So we'll see. But my hope is that for, I mean, I think one of the gifts of quarantine has been that my oldest son, August has just really embraced working from home Mm -hmm. and has felt a whole lot of peace. And it's clarified for me that I think homeschool is the right thing for him for a little while. And so my plan is to do that next year. Homeschool my seventh grader. Wow. Whoa. (laughs) Let that settle in. (laughs) You got this girl. So we'll see how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think in my, like, when I am just settled into my gut and my mom heart, it feels right. Yeah. When I'm like in my head, 
I am terrified, but I, I think it's the right thing for him. And then, um, yeah, same thing for Brooks as for truly just, I just want him back in school, back with friends, back enjoying his life. So yeah. Hopes and dreams, man. Hopes and dreams. Well, we will hold on to those. Yeah, we will. We will keep holding on to those. Okay. We're going to, we're going to wrap this because bless, we could talk a long time. We could. Um, We actually, so I used to be a special education teacher. Not everybody knows this. I have a mild to moderate credential and a moderate to severe. I have two special ed credentials and I taught high school. And so we, we also have a Patreon page, friends. If you haven't, if you didn't know this, like if you podcast now, it's Patreon and Patreon is a platform in which you can be a patron. So if you love what we're doing um, and you want to support this as we shift the narrative and you're able to financially, it's a place where you can donate anywhere from $10 to $10 million and everything in between. Um, it's usually, it's a monthly subscription essentially. And if you, when you become a patron, you get additional content and things that you don't get to hear on the podcast. So here's what we're going to do for this episode. Mike and I are going to have a conversation that I've actually not ever had publicly. And I'm going to share about when I was a special ed teacher and what I would do so, so differently as a parent. And if you want that conversation and you also get to see us on video, which means you get to see at the longest bangs I've had in, in a very long time. I can't see at all. I'm just going to keep them down. You get to see us too. How yeah, cute we are. Uh huh. How I got, I highlighted my hair through a cap on Sunday. Yeah, you did. So. I have not. I'm very, very gray on top. <laughs> um, so all but kinds we, of new things to see. Yeah. We know that this podcast can't happen without listeners and without support. And we love this community and so Patreon's also an opportunity for us to get to hang out with you guys more and get to know you more. And we would, we appreciate and love all the support. So if you feel like supporting the podcast financially is something you'd like to do, you can head over to the luckyfewpodcast.com and find the link for Patreon and sign up for the level in which you feels best for you. And then you get to hear our conversation about why I would be a very different teacher today if I were a teacher. But before we do that, we are going to have some good news. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> we've got, we've got, uh, we got a little rusty. Yeah, all, right. all right, Micah, do some good news. Yeah, you know what? I do. I have some great news. Okay. Yesterday, I feel like I finally figured out what Ace needs before he sits down for table, t- table time work. And I swing him in his sensory sheet and do this like, amazing thing that I it's kind of like doing a kettle bar swing except it's just him and a sheet <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I swing him through my legs and we did it a few times and then he went to sit down at the table for us to do our so happy to learn Mrs. Brown reading together and for the first time ever he circled the word <gasps> he circled it yes, twice my god this Isn't that is so awesome? Exciting. Oh my gosh. 
I love that. That is huge. Yes. I was so, so excited. Good. Oh gosh. Yes. That is some good, good news. Good job. Sweet Ace <laughs> and Micah for putting in all the work to help him be able to be his best. That Thank is amazing. You. Thank you. So good. Um, You'll have to do, you know, we'll have to give our patrons a video of you doing that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I yes. want to see it. <laughs> it's so good for the, for the core and the butt too. <laughs> yes, Micah, Micah's got like a six pack now that she's doing all this, all this um, sensory. All this sensory need work. <laughs> it's like the, the rainbow here. I love it. <laughs> So something that's been really great just in quarantine that I'm going to chalk up as good news. I feel like when life is super busy and it comes time for getting ready for bed, which is something our kids should be able to do independently. There's a lot of helping, like a lot of like picking out jammies, handing them, literally helping our 11 year old change into her pajamas, whatever. And since we're, there's not as much of a rush, Mason, August too, but Mason especially is just like a boss now at getting ready for bed and does it all. It's great. It's really great. And it's, she just does it all. She does the whole thing. She still doesn't use toothpaste on her toothbrushes. I don't know if we've talked about this. Yes, we have. (laughs) Every single night, even like she's now doing it all by herself. Usually we're like in the bathroom and, and pestering them. Nagging is the word, Mm -hmm. nagging them to get ready for bed. But now she's doing it on her own and by herself. She'll all hear her be like, Okay, brush your teeth, no toothpaste. Oh my gosh, Mason, we all know. (laughs) No toothpaste. You don't have to tell us every day. (laughs) But I feel like that's some good news to have that, to watch her grow in independence like that. That's awesome. I do, I mean, I think we have said this a lot during quarantine, but when you take the stress and anxiety out of the day, there's a lot of space for growing. Yep. It's the same thing as like when, when they stop going to school every day, they can get better at riding their bikes and yep. swimming in the pool. So it's, there's wonderful ways to grow and learn that aren't yes. always with your, about learning the math. I know. Words. Yeah. Very true. Very true. All right. Let's wrap it up. We want to thank all of you listeners out there for joining us and for we're spending so many days and weeks of your quarantine with us. And we're thinking about you guys as you're heading into the summer too. So be sure that you reach out to us and tell us how your summer is looking and what you're thinking about as we go into next school year as well. As always, we want to hear your good news. So leave us a voicemail or share your good news about your loved one with Down syndrome. You can also message us on Instagram at the lucky few pod and you can share about your family and if you have a product or a business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with down syndrome you know we'd love to partner with you you can email hello at the lucky for sponsorship opportunities and we want to give a huge thank you as always to our editor and producer andy Lara, to our co-producer val schleter to our sponsor and to all of you who've shared the lucky few podcasts with friends and who have listened faithfully and cheered us on if you can subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts it helps people find us and remember that you are dear listeners supporting your loved one with down syndrome you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter so keep on keeping on we are cheering for you and we will see you next week on the Lucky Few Podcasts. Bye.
Bye, Bye friends. Ah, same time. Bye, <laughs>Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.